five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome in. It is uh, our Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Happy birthday to my brother Tate, celebrating a uh, a big uh, birthday today. So, I didn't uh, even know you had a brother. I do. I got a brother and a sister. I didn't know either of those things. Well, Cookie, you haven't been around very long. That's know, true. Yeah, that's true. You people don't blab. Uh, it's not like we blabbed on our first date to each other. We 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 were getting to know each other during this process. I got I got you. I got you. Not everybody's an only. Ch- I only act like a selfish only child, like you, Cookie. But I'm I'm. No, you gotta live that life. <laughs> no, I've lived it. I've lived as a, despite having siblings, a selfish older, uh, only child. Um, that's Chris Cook producing the show today, of course. Woo! Uh, Dom Kasalki, did I get it right? Dom will be on, uh, our update coming up in just a little bit. So stand by, stand by for that. Uh, we've got Mike Swartz also coming on the show today. I'm excited to have, uh, Coach Swartz. We've, uh, been waiting to talk to him, kind of a wrap up of the season, and uh, look towards what is going on. And, and you know, with basketball, it evolves every day. Uh, in the respect that uh, there's always something new going on. There's always different people in the portal. I've heard some interesting stuff today about uh, some guys who are in the portal who are going to make a visit to ECU this weekend. So I think it's a really interesting uh, time. We're going to talk to Coach Swartz about. Uh, where things go from here and what he expects out of uh, not only their recruiting from the portal, but also what he expects from the guys that are coming back, the core of guys that are coming back. So that I'm looking forward to talking to Mike Swartz. We'll try to get as much in with him as we possibly can here uh, today. A little bit of uh, news for you to get to here before we uh, jump in on uh, last night's exciting win for uh, the Pirates over NC State, and uh, also before we get into uh, our pirate report, which will be football heavy uh, in its focus here. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Due to inclement weather in Greenville, number 12 ECU and UCF have altered the schedule of their American Athletic Conference Series at Clark LeClaire. Pirates and the Knights will play a doubleheader tomorrow beginning at 2 p.m. The second game will follow. 45 minutes after the conclusion of the first. The series right now is scheduled to conclude Friday at a to-be-determined time. So Saturday tickets may be exchanged at the box office for either the Thursday doubleheader or for Friday. Uh, locations from the Saturday game are not guaranteed in that, according to ECU. So 2 o'clock tomorrow, that means at 145 we'll have coverage here on 94.3 The Game. And then 45 minutes between uh, games. So probably about a 30-minute bridge show with uh, our guy, Philip the Ref Pilkington. Uh, that is happening. Also, some other news uh, for you. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Thank you. The uh, And inclement weather has altered the festivities for the great pirate purple gold pigskin party. Pick-out party, excuse me. Pigskin pick-out party. Gosh, 
me say that again. The great pirate purple gold pigskin pigout party, it's actually been postponed, canceled. The uh, purple gold spring game will stay in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium Saturday at 11, and admission will be free. Uh, with all the events, with the exception of the pig cooking contest, will be moved to April 28th and the 29th. So the pirate, so that has been, uh, that, that has been, the events have been postponed. The, I think the pig cooking portion, uh, from what I'm reading, has been uh, canceled. So the Pirate Club Golf Classic will actually be played on Friday the 28th at 8.30 a.m. at Brook Valley. That's a sold-out event. Uh, on the 29th of uh, April, that's when they'll have the Pirate Equipment Sale uh, and the other scheduled activities like the, the Golf Classic, as we mentioned, the Car Show that uh, was real popular last year, Vendor Palooza. Uh, the Touch Arg truck event, uh, meet and greet with the pirate student athletes, Petey's birthday party that very day as well. Lacrosse will host JMU and that'll be at, uh, at noon, I believe. I think that's right. And, uh, the, uh, pirates will play baseball against Tulane. It'll be the second game of that series. That'll be at four o'clock again, Saturday the 29th. So uh, the weather is uh, wreaking havoc, but that's kind of what happens in these uh, spring time of year uh, events. So uh, that is the news there. How about East Carolina last night? What a uh, just exciting game. Back and forth affair between the Pirates and the Wolfpack. Number 12 ECU uh, pulls off the victory. Pirates uh, with a season-high six home runs, three off the bat of Jacob Jenkins-Cowart. And then uh, I think the other story in the game was uh, the pitching of Jake Hunter, who uh, went four and a third innings out of the pen. This is Coach Godwin, uh, his opening statement after the win over the Wolfies. Yeah, just really important. We challenged our offense after the last week, and it, you know everybody wants to jump off the ship. We had a bad week, not a bad month, not a bad year. Um, but I'm really just impressed with the way our offense showed up, and especially after – we put up a five spot, and then NC State puts up a five spot, and we just kept responding. So we needed a win like that for our offense. Um, Zach Root gave us a good start, and, you know, uh, Jake Hunter was outstanding. I mean, he was really the key to just, you know, put some zeros up on the board, and, of course, he gave up two in the ninth. It was a bloop and then a bomb. So I'm um, just proud of him. Godwin talking about uh, Jacob Jenkins Cowart's performance. I challenged him to, to bring some energy and to be tougher in the box. And, um, you know, we kind of had a little coming to Jesus uh, as a team. And uh, he responded. And, and J.C. the type that you can do that to. You can't do that to all kids. But, um, you know, he's a tough dude and he's competitive. And when you challenge him, 99% of the time he responds. So Coach G comp, uh, complimenting the maturity and leadership of his team. Now, I don't want to go into specifics, but it was really the meeting was called by the players, and the players wanted the coaches in there, so it's kind of crazy. So that shows good leadership in, in our group. And, uh, you know, just uh, stop feeling sorry for ourselves and come out and play baseball and not make excuses is the biggest message. And our guys did a really good job last night. And then Coach Godwin uh, saying he's proud of the hitting from the game last night. JC uh, got swings off. You know, Moreland got us all on the board with a uh, you know solo shot in the first. Got the crowd into it. I think it's always important to get the crowd into it when you got a big crowd. Um, Joey Barini had a three-run homer, um, and then Starling on his birthday had a solo jack. So guys put together some good swings in front of a great environment. So proud of them. 
And uh, now for the uh, players, Jacob Jenkins Coward, who hit the three home runs, first Pirate to do so since 2008, talked about uh, his bounce-back performance. Yeah, I mean, we had a little bit of bitter taste in our mouth, obviously, after the series. And uh, it's just that we, we didn't show up ready to play. So we, we knew coming out we were going to have a lot of energy. There's going to be a great crowd. And we just had to go out and take it. Yeah, 5,997. Surprised they didn't find the three more to get it to 6,000. But uh, Jenkins Coward talked about the amazing crowd last night. Yeah, you always know it's a big crowd when they drop stuff on the warning track and you have to go pick it up every <laughs> inning. Um, but, no, it was a great crowd tonight, we, and it's always good to have that. Excellent uh, outing from uh, Jake Hunter, who uh, got the win in relief, and he talked about staying focused during uh, big games. Um, you just kind of got to breathe, honestly. Kind of get your heart rate going. You kind of want to slow it down. And, and you got to take the moment in. I mean, it's awesome playing for us. 6,000 people, so you just kind of take it in. And you know, We've been playing this game since we were little kids, so you just got to keep doing the same thing. All right, uh, Cookie, we got the cut about uh, the injury status of Justin Wilcoxon. We got yes, we sure do. All right, uh, this is Cliff Godwin talking about uh, Wilcoxon, who they were hoping to have uh, back. Uh, Ryan McChrystal uh, drove in uh, Amac last night, hit a uh, ball really, really well, and uh, I think that was uh, ahead of the. Uh, the uh, Shaq, the Joey Barini homer. So, uh, you know, I, again, I think uh, McChrystal's been really good at the plate. He's catching up behind the plate. Uh, but as far as hitting, he's been superb. So is Will Coxon. Uh, and uh, obviously you don't want to play too long without uh, Will Coxon for what he can do defensively. So this is Cliff Godwin giving an update in the postgame last night. He's a little bit closer. You know, we're hoping we can get him back on Thursday. But, you know, McChrystal's been doing a good job. And, He's still hurt. He's just managing it, and um, you know everybody's doing a good job keeping healthy. That's the thing. And uh, Zach Womack and the uh, other people on the medical team have uh, have done a great job of, of keeping this uh, this group healthy. And uh, that's where they uh, that's where they are. All right, um, we're going to uh, grab go ahead and grab a break, Cookie, because. Uh, I want to get to the uh, Pirate Report with football. A lot to uh, talk about out of there. Again, if you're just joining us, uh, baseball has had the series altered this weekend. They were going to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday because of the Easter holiday. Everybody's doing that around college baseball by and large. And so the idea was to uh, play those dates. But obviously with the type of rain we're looking at, uh, they have moved the Saturday game, as it was told to me. The Saturday game has been moved up. Essentially, they're going to play a doubleheader tomorrow. That's that's really what you need to know. Two o'clock first pitch, one forty-five airtime here on ninety-four-three. The game, and that will carry into the uh, second game following forty-five minutes later. Keep it here on ninety-four-three. The game. We'll have a bridge show for you, carry you through, and then Friday right now is scheduled would be game three of the series, and it's at a to-be-determined date. So we'll figure out what happens uh, there. A timeout. When we uh, return, Pirate Report, when we talk, ECU football, because the events postponed, like the car show and the golf tournament, all that pig cooking part has been canceled, but the car show part uh, and all those things, the vendors and what have you, that's been pushed back to the end of April. Football is still going to play the purple-gold spring game. 
So we'll talk about uh, football and hear from Coach Houston and others as time allows right after this. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, thanks for being with us uh, here today as uh, we'll have Mike Swartz coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we'll maybe try to get to him a little before the bottom of the hour, so stand by for that. We'll also have a 94.3 The Game sports flash update for you coming up here in just a, a little bit. Uh, Pirate baseball moved to a doubleheader tomorrow ahead of weekend, uh, really Friday and Saturday rain, but especially Saturday. And uh, with that rain Saturday that is uh, occurring, we're going to have uh, right now the football game, Purple Gold Spring football game, still on 11 a.m. Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. The pigskin pigout party canceled. The other events around the uh, the weekend, uh, all events with the exception of the pig cooking contest, have been moved to late April. Pirate Club Golf Classic, uh, the Vendor, Palooza, Car Show, Touch the Truck event, every all of that moved. So uh, Petey's birthday. Uh, we'll remind you of that before that uh, event weekend comes up. And there's Pirate Baseball that weekend against Tulane. So that'll be a, a big series, and that'll be a big deal, of course. All right, uh, let us uh, jump right in. Coach Houston talking about the last padded practice and the scrimmage of the spring. Last padded practice before Saturday. Uh, we'll go in helmets on Thursday, uh, typical, uh, you know, in-season Thursday practice. Uh, we got our, have our draft tomorrow. So uh, head coach of one of the teams is Rajay Harris, and head coach of the other team is Jeremy Lewis. And they're going to flip uh, flip a coin to see who is the home team, see who's purple, and see who's gold. And uh, the kids are excited about that. So uh, Thursday we'll practice in our teams and We'll put rosters out, you know, maybe Friday or something, so you, the fans will know kind of who's versus who. So winner gets steak and shrimp. Loser gets cold beating wings. Yeah. Cookie, what do you think of that as uh, cold beanie weenies? See, I, I actually don't mind beanie weenies. The cold? Uh, that's a little bad. Yeah. Could be worse, though. Steak, steak and shrimp's the way oh, to go. Okay, that's now that, right sounds, that sounds freaking awesome. Right, but beanie weenies, cold beanie weenies. Yeah, that's kind of crappy. Yeah, but if they're heated up, you'd be down with it. Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, Mike Houston, on the positives and negatives of the offense and defense, this is a pretty long cut, but hang with it here. There's a lot of positives. I think offensively, I think we've there are a lot of new faces, and there are a lot of new faces making plays. And I think uh, the quarterback room has steadily improved each week. Uh, very pleased with the running back room. I think the offensive line and Coach Mulgridge, I think they're, they're coming along and progressing. Um, I think we have some guys in the receiver room that have had solid springs. Uh, I think Shane Calhoun has had a very solid spring. Uh, so I think there's so many positives right there. Uh, negatives offensively. Um, you know, just waiting for one of those big X receivers to step up and take command of the position. Uh, and, you know, I think Saturday's another opportunity for a couple of those guys. Uh, I think that's the, that's the one that I'm, I'm waiting on right there. Um, I think, you know, finding who the, you know, who the starting five are up front. I mean, I think uh, we've played with a lot of different uh, combinations. Uh, it was great to have Jacob Saker back the last two weeks, and I think uh, he's shown he's much improved from the fall. Uh, but just, you know, waiting to see what that final five looks like right there uh, up front. I think defensively, I think, uh, you know, probably the biggest positive is, you know, 
think two things. I think length and speed. Um, I think our defensive front has been solid all spring, but I expect those guys to be. I mean, those those are veteran guys that played a lot of snaps. Um, I think negatives. I think it's you know who are the next couple of guys in the secondary after the after the first group. You know, who, who's going to be a, a guy that can be ready to play because you know we're going to you know you're going to play more than just you know eleven guys. All right. Uh... Coach talks about some of the new coaching hires that were announced yesterday. I thought we had uh, a very strong candidate pool for the two positions on offense, and uh, you know I thought I thought everybody that we brought to campus to interview uh, would have been a good fit uh, and would have been a solid hire. I think that uh, when you look at Darrell, um, you know he 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 fits a certain certain type of coach that I was looking for. He's going to be very very high energy. Uh, he is a great technician with the fundamentals, and I think with you know some of the youth in our receiver room, uh, you know the guys we have on the roster now, we have three incoming high school kids. Uh, just his his expertise with teaching the fundamentals really stood out to me. That and just uh, has that kind of personality that can be dynamic in recruiting, uh, and and just and was passionate about wanting to be here. Um, I just thought he was the right fit for what we needed in that room. Um, you know, as we went through the interview process, uh, I hired Aaron Hour because he was the best candidate for that job, and it wasn't really close. Uh, he, he is a very bright mind, uh, great work ethic. He has tremendous relationships with our players. Uh, you know, he's been here with us for a couple of years, but uh, he has a very bright future in this profession. And uh, and the, probably the biggest endorsement for him was from the players. Uh, when I made it to the point where I was confident and comfortable with him, I uh, went to some of the older players that uh, he had worked with, asked them, you know, their perspectives, uh, and not only the ones that are here, but some of the ones that had left, uh, just feel very strongly about him, uh, and I think that says a lot uh, about uh, what he's done already. So excited about those guys. And my guy Raquan Boyette uh, moving to the running back coach, great uh, guy from Wilson. So shout out to uh, Coach Boyette, big fan. Uh, this is also uh, a time where Steve Shankweiler is moving to the uh, director of high school relations and an alumni relations. So Coach Shank staying in Greenville after his 19th season coaching pirate football over four different stints. And, uh, you know, he's got nearly 50 years in the biz. So here's uh, Mike Houston on Shank. Steve Shankweiler is now in an official capacity as director of high school and alumni relations. And, uh, you know, Shank... Uh, maybe the most tenured coach, not not one stint, but between his four uh, in the history of East Carolina University. So, you know, nobody better uh, to be a guy that, number one, can be a liaison between the high school football coaches in the state of North Carolina and our staff. Uh, he will help coordinate our walk-on program. Uh, he will help uh, coordinate camps and clinics. Uh, and then, you know, Heck, probably half our alumni, football alumni, played for him or played when he was here. So a great guy to be a point of contact for our football alumni is something that, um, you know, we've tried a couple times to, you know, really get a lot of guys reconnected. We went through COVID, and that kind of disconnected us again. So uh, it's very important to me that, uh, you know, our, our letter, former letter winners, uh, football alumni, that they feel a connection to our program, and, and that's you know, that's the reason we want Shank in that role. So uh, great to have him in that official capacity. So, uh, you know, 
for the football alumni out there, if you need tickets or whatever, call Shank. <laughs> that's that's awesome because one, Steve Shankweiler is uh, just a great guy. We love Coach Shank. Uh, now that it's official, we're going to try to get Shank on sometime in the next few weeks. And then uh, the other part of this I think is just fantastic is what Mike Houston said there, and that is, you know, even though these guys did not play for Mike Houston that are alumni, I, to a man that I've spoken to, when they come back, they want to go to a practice coach's engaging with them treats them as if they were one of his players so i think that's mike houston understands and has a great deal of respect for the history of this program and i think that's that's just tremendous i don't think we'll get to the donnie kirkpatrick or blake harrell stuff for today so we'll save that either for the bridge tomorrow or friday kind of depending on what happens and and with friday i may be back i may not be it just really again depends on what happens because i've got tv this weekend with baseball but uh here is uh coach houston on uh, Mason Garcia getting comfortable. I thought Mason was uh, very strong on Saturday in our scrimmage. They had another good day today. Uh, I think he's getting more and more comfortable decision-making-wise in the pocket. Uh, I thought he made several, you know, just you know, very wise decisions with the ball uh, in our team portion of the practice today. A couple times pulling the ball down and taking off. Uh, you know, a couple times standing in the pocket and. And delivering very accurate throws, uh, but uh, I think that every time out he he improves just from experience. So uh, you know he and Alex will lead the two teams on Saturday. And Alex, I'm telling you, Alex has had a very strong spring, uh, and he has been highly competitive in that room. And just you know the improvement of him from the fall uh, is uh, is very impressive. Also, so we feel very very comfortable with those two guys uh, where they are right now. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, I want to get to this really quick because it's a brief cut. Uh, I got to get the backstory on this, but uh, on, coach, on the pressure of facing, facing Michigan in Week One, hit it. We have a great opportunity. There's no pressure on us in that game, so we're gonna go up there and play our tails off and go right at them. So it's gonna be a fun environment to play in. Hell yeah, it is. Coach, are you feeling any pressure? Zero. None. That's great. All right, uh, we got uh, Coach Swartz. We're going to get him right at the bottom of the hour, so I want to go ahead and get our 94-3 The Game Sports update in with Don Kosalki, or Dom Kosalki, excuse me, and then we'll have uh, an, up, uh, an, uh, an interview with Coach Swartz uh, on the other side. But right now, here's Dom. Number 12, East Carolina blasted six home runs to fend off NC State 13-9. The game was played before the second-largest crowd at Clark LeClaire Stadium history at 5,997 fans. Three of the ECU home runs were off the bat of Jacob Jenkins Coward, the first ECU player to smash a trio of home runs in a single game since Corey Kemp did it at Houston in March of 2008. The Pirates moved to 21-8 and opened their first conference series on Thursday against UCF. ECU head football coach Mike Houston officially announced that Dyrell Roberts and Aaron Auer have joined the Pirates staff as assistant coaches. Additionally, Tyler Allman and Kyle DeWean have been named analysts, while Raquan Boet has been appointed the new running backs coach after serving as the outside receivers coach for the 2022 campaign. All have assumed their duties immediately. Offensive line coach Steve Shankweiler will transition to the director of high school and alumni relations at ECU effective immediately. Shankweiler, who has 48 years of collegiate coaching experience, recently completed his 19th year at ECU over four stints. 
On Tuesday after practice, Coach Houston talked about how this was the Pirates' last padded practice before the scrimmage on Saturday in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Last padded practice before Saturday. Uh, we'll go in helmets on Thursday. Uh, typical, uh, you know, in-season Thursday practice. Uh, we got our, have our draft tomorrow. So uh, head coach of one of the teams is Rajay Harris, and head coach of the other team is Jeremy Lewis. And they're going to flip uh, flip a coin to see who is the home team, see who's purple, and see who's gold. And uh, the kids are excited about that. So uh, Thursday we'll practice in our teams, and we'll put rosters out, you know, maybe Friday or something, so you, the fans will know kind of who's versus who. So winner gets steak and shrimp. Loser gets cold beating wings. One of Duke's top players is making a decision on his future. Freshman center Derek Lively II announced that he will enter the 2023 NBA draft after one season in Durham. In some NFL news, John Elway is no longer with the Denver Broncos after his contract expired earlier today, the team announced. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game sports update. This sports update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting Pirate student-athletes. For info on how to donate, please visit teamboneyard.org. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout right here on 94.3 The Game. Coach Mike Swartz is with us here as promised by the Patrick Johnson Show. Coach, great to talk to you. Thank you for taking some time. Patrick, great to speak with you. Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys all season long and what you guys do for Pirate Athletics and specifically the basketball program. So uh, awesome to visit with you. I have told you, and I'll tell you publicly, the only person that wants Pirate basketball to win more than I do is probably Cy Seymour and you and John Gilbert. So those are the three. But I mean, I can't think of anybody. Cy maybe more than any of us. You know what? Cy is incredible. You, John, I know. But you know what? We felt it this year from Pirate Nation yeah. and Mindy's Coliseum and, and all of Pirate Nation. Uh, you know, it was just a, a fantastic feel all year long in terms of the support that our, that our guys and this program received from everybody here in Greenville and, and ECU Pirate Nation. The thing I really uh, liked about your team this year, Coach, was they still played hard and determined all season long. They went through a lot, uh, and, and some of it we'll get into here, but uh, I think that's a compliment to laying a foundation for a true program. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and we were all very proud of our guys all season long. Um, I'll say this, that you know, I was asked this yesterday as I was talking to someone, and one of the things that we were most proud of was just the, the, the buy-in that our guys had from last year at this time when it was just fresh and new and obviously the roster looked different. But all the way until our last practice the day before we, you know, played left to go to the AAC tournament in Fort Worth before we played South Florida out there. And, you know, we got out there and were able to win one game and then lost to Houston. And, you know, you don't practice because you play right on the next day after the South Florida game. So we thought about, our last practice before we left Greenville to head to Fort Worth. And if you had come to that practice, Patrick, you, you would have thought we were going to compete for a Final Four championship. And that's what I appreciated most about these guys, this coaching staff, that every single day there was two feet buy-in on everything, whether it was our, our identity, scouting report, whatever it was that we were trying to do to get better. And even with a season where we didn't win as much as we wanted to, obviously, and, and we have so far to go where we want to be, 
every single day you would have felt like we were playing and practicing for a championship, and that is part of our identity. Coach Mike Schwartz, Pirate Basketball head coach, is with us uh, here. Look, you know this, Coach, uh, defense and, and rebounding. Those are the things that – those are the controllables, that effort, and that is part of the hallmark. Defensively, I, I, you know and, – and, look, you know the game so well. You know where the Pirates need to go defensively. But I, I thought defensively at times this year uh, this team was really, really excellent. There's, there's obviously room in your mind, I'm sure, for improvement. Uh, and then rebounding the ball at times was good, but I think, you know, and you know this, in the American, you've got to have some, some guys committed to rebounding, whether they're currently in the program or will soon be in the program. That's a big part of this, isn't it? Huge. And, you know, you just touched on the areas that are really the, the, the foundation of what we need to do and where we need to be great to be successful to the level that we will be. And, you know, you start with on the defensive end, I thought there were some great growth and there was some good moments defensively um, we did not consistently defend anywhere near where we feel we are going to and what we're capable of doing and it's already started this spring in terms of improving in those areas and it will continue through the summer and the preseason until next year but I'd say this this is what's something we were very excited about as a coaching staff our last two games the two games in Fort Worth in the AAC tournament were probably two of our most complete defensive games. We played 80 minutes of very strong defensive basketball in the AAC Conference Tournament. Both teams, really good offensive teams, South Florida and Houston. We held them in the 30s field goal percentage-wise, um, and we were able to rebound the ball uh, with both teams uh, defensively. And, you know, you alluded to rebounding. Uh, rebounding defensively is the key. It, it doesn't matter how good you are defense. It doesn't matter how good you are in the full court. If you can't rebound the basketball consistently, then you're not going to be a great defensive team. And that at times, as you said, was something that was an Achilles heel for us. But on the flip side, we made a very distinct effort to be a strong offensive rebounding team. Yes. And we ended up being, yes. you know, we ended up being the leading offensive rebounding team in the American yes. Conference. And, you know, I will say this, though, Patrick, some of that myth was because we didn't shoot the ball as well as we did. So I, I kind of I would take us not being as good of an offensive rebound right. team if we would make a few more shots. So we'll balance that out a little bit next season. Well, Coach Mike Schwartz is with us. I, again, I think a lot of this is, is the commitment, the standard, the culture that, that you have laid uh, out for the guys that uh, are, are coming back. I know a lot of people want to know, about recruiting, and they want to get your thoughts on NIL, and they want to get your thoughts on what you're looking for uh, possibly through the portal. We're going to get into all that. But I, I want to start with the, the two guys, Luigi and David Kasunganai. They're leaving, but they really – you've got to replace with them some intangibles, don't you, Coach? Yeah, you know, and I'm so glad that you started with them because when that last game ended um, in Dickey's Arena versus Houston uh, – that was all we talked about was Luigi DeBow and Dave Kasanganai and their impact on this university, this community, and specifically this team and program this season. And you know what, Patrick, both guys individually helped us win games this year. And that's a special thing. I mean, Dave Kasanganai, we can count two or three games that without him, we don't win. And the same goes for Luigi DeBow and what Luigi did to end the season. Uh, especially the last 10 or so games. And, you know, there was one game he played 30, 32, 33 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you think about that and, you know, from where he came from early in the season. And 
Dave Tsang and I earns a scholarship midway through the year, and you think about the game at Tulsa, where he goes in the game and defensively absolutely changes the game. You think about the game uh, versus South Florida in the conference tournament, uh, where he you know ends the half with a four point play and just did so many things. But as much as they did on the court, it's what you said: their leadership, their team spirit, their love of their teammates, and, and the buy-in that they gave as seniors. Um, you, you can't even you can't quantify it with words and just we're going to miss them, but they're always going to be pirates and part of the pirate family. You're going to see those guys high up in whatever vocation they choose to to participate in because they're both very smart young men. Very. They're going to be they're going to be so successful in what they do, and they know we're here for them. And we said it to both of them. Heck, we we'd love to. If you guys decide that coaching or getting into athletics, and you want to do you know any areas in those. You know, kind of in that genre that we would love to help them. And both guys would be guys you would love to have around your guys well beyond their playing, uh, playing years. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, the guys who are also coming back because that's a big part of this. There's a nice core coming back for, for your team. Uh, and then RJ Felton, I think, uh, there, there's still a sky's the limit with RJ, in my opinion, uh, coach. What, what are the things you're going to have RJ work on between now and next season? Well, like you said, to start that we're so excited about the group of guys that are coming back. I mean, we think we really have a strong core, as you said, a foundation and, and retention and being able to have continuity within your program is so important, uh, even more important than it's ever been in college basketball now because of some of the things that we'll talk about. But when you specifically talk about RJ, uh, you know, you think RJ, RJ started for us at the four the three, the two, and had to play a lot of point guard late in the season as well. You know, I mean, for maybe the few seconds that Jaden Walker wasn't able to get off the court and get a rest, you know, RJ went in there and played, or foul trouble put RJ at the point guard spot. So he really played the one through four. He played four positions for us. He was an elite defender, an elite offensive rebounder, somebody that played 35-plus minutes a game. He obviously had career highs in everything he did production-wise, particularly on offense. And you know what, Patrick? He's just a warrior. He's a special, special person that's the ultimate teammate. And I think when you talk about areas of growth for him, he's going to continue to even be more of a leader for us next year. The ball will be in his hands more than it was this year. We obviously had to implement a very aggressive isolation game for him midway through the season where we were struggling to score. Uh, we put him in different positions to isolate him on the floor, and he accepted that, you know, that challenge and, and ran with it. But I just think you're going to see even more of leadership and more him, guys jumping on his back, him putting his arm around guys and getting guys up, him, his teammates up to his level uh, next season. Because you know what? This year he did it kind of blindly this was his first time going through it in college and I think next year he knows exactly what to expect and what our expectations are for him and he knows we believe in him at the highest level so I think he's going to bring his teammates up with him coach uh Mike Schwartz with us here as we talk uh pirate basketball I ran into uh Brandon Johnson over the weekend uh just a super uh just a super person and, you know, I thought he really made uh, some big strides in the weight room in the off season, Coach, I think maybe at times during the season, I don't know if he got worn down, uh, you know, or, or what it was, and I don't know how much you want to say here, but it just 
he he was steady, but it just seemed like uh, there there's still there's still again a lot of potential there. I guess the, the how do you work to make him more consistent, especially late in the year? Yeah, I think that that's a great point. And no, with that talk about it as open as anything is that and I agree with you you know you think about this at one point in the season Brandon was averaging a double double he was a guy that we were he was our main player that we were throwing the ball to inside he was as good uh, right at the very top of keeping the floor spaced in terms of shooting the three-point shot he was somebody that was the leading rebounder in the league and the leading offensive rebounder in the league and with that, oh, by the way, we need you to go guard the other team's center and be able to switch on the perimeter in our switching defense. So without a doubt, and he was doing it at 35-plus minutes a game. So there is no doubt that I'm sure physically as the season went, especially with some of the injuries that we had, where I'm sure he got a little physically worn down as the year went. This was the first time and probably since he was in high school and maybe not even in high school did he have those kind of demands on him and expectations? So when you get to February and, and March and you have been physically banging with guys all year long and there's a lot of expectations of what you have to be able to do on offense, I think it's normal for it to take its toll, particularly when it's your first year doing it. So I think you hit it on the head. I think from a physical standpoint, Brandon knows he wants to get stronger. He is going to get stronger. He needs to keep playing with a great, strong base, getting a little bit lower. He plays upright a lot of times. He has worked on it so diligently. I'm telling you, Patrick, from the day we got back from Fort Worth, he has been in the gym already working on understanding how playing with a low base Mm -hmm. is going to be really important for him. And he's going to be, you're going to all see great improvement from him there. And you know what? I think what Brandon's going to do this offseason as much as he's going to build on the areas that he did this season, shooting, rebounding, post play, I think you're going to see an even quicker, more explosive Brandon oh, Johnson good, good. next year. Yeah. And um, he, he just so excited about him. But you started this by saying one thing, and you're so right about this. As good of a player and as good of a season as he had, Brandon Johnson is even a better person and a better teammate. And we, we love him. And just so excited for the continued develop for him this uh, this off season. Let's make him a little meaner too. All right, so we <laughs> he's got a mean streak, Patrick. He's I know. Got one in I know. There. He, does. He, he does. He does. He so, does. You know what we gotta do? We gotta get him a little bit more rest, so he's not yeah, too true. tired to uh, to that's show true. that streak. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mike Swartz is with us here, Coach. We appreciate the time. I want to ask you about Ezra Ozar. I, I think this is a star for your team. He can do things that uh, people. Uh, just can't believe. And I, I think a an off season in a college weight program is going to make a huge difference. Yeah, you know, you're a hundred percent right. And you know, Ezra always had the talent. And we spoke about this last summer. You know, when he got to campus, he's like any typical freshman. He was learning how to play the game uh, at this speed, at this level, with guys around him that you know physically look like him physically can compete with him speed wise, athleticism wise and body wise strength. And so what happens is early in your career, as it was in November and a little bit of December, he's trying to figure out how to be able to use his advantages versus guys that have similar talent, similar athleticism and size. 
But all of a sudden, January came around, and he understood that he could really become an elite rebounder. He understood where his strengths were, and it's not about weaknesses. It's about why would you do things that aren't your strengths until those weaknesses become strengths. So he really simplified his game, and as he simplified it in January and February, then his game starts to grow again because anytime that you really are focusing on your strengths, which was driving the basketball, which was rebounding the basketball at a very high level, he started to finish around the rim at a completely different clip than he was early in the season. He started realizing that, you know what, he's very capable, and he thought he can finish above the rim. Everything doesn't need to be below the rim. There's no reason for it to be. Right. And all of a sudden, it culminates with a 18.19 rebound game versus Houston, you know, and he had many games like that down the stretch. I mean, he had many, you know, games where he was 10-plus rebounds, double-double games. And you started to see a little bit of him shooting that mid-range shot. His free throw percentage started to creep up. All things that this summer he'll get to another level. He's going to be able to stretch the floor shooting the ball next year. He's going to make even better decisions than he made this year. We're comfortable with him leading the break, and he knows it. So whether he's at the three, the four, the five, Patrick, he's going to be able to rebound the ball and push. But he'd be the first if he was on this call to tell you, you know what, I got to make better decisions when I get over half court, or I got to know when I got to give it up, you know, timing decisions wise passing. So just so excited for Ezra's growth. He really became a leader on this team. I called him a competitive leader because he knew how to lift guys up to his competitive spirit during games and during practice. And uh, the expectations are only going to go up for him. All right. What do the Pirates uh, need? We've talked about some of the guys that'll be back. Let's talk about uh, some of the needs that uh, Coach could address in the transfer portal. We'll talk some NIL. Mike Swartz with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Coach Mike Swartz is on the show today. Thank you for being with us. It is uh, the PJ Show Pirate Baseball tomorrow. We have a doubleheader with uh, the first game at 2 o'clock between ECU and UCF. Game two to follow 45 minutes later, as needed. Philip the ref Pilkington will be standing by, and he will have uh, coverage for you between games tomorrow right here on 94.3 The Game. But note that time tomorrow, doubleheader, game one at 2 o'clock between ECU and UCF. Uh, I'll be on the call of ESPN+, Plus, but you can hear it right here with uh, Scotty Rogers and Dr. Gary Overton. Mike Swartz is our guest today as we wrap up the ECU basketball season. Great to have Coach with us uh, here for an extended chat on the Patrick Johnson Show. Mike, let me ask you about uh, Jaden Walker. He stepped in and played great for you, was productive at the point. Uh, but I, how, how do you harness that productivity but be able to play him maybe a little more off the ball if you get a true point or a, a lead guard in? Yeah, you know, again, you think about Jaden a lot like RJ. At one point in the year, actually, to start the season, Jaden was starting at the four for us. He was starting, we were playing small ball basketball. We were playing four guards, and he was our, you know, quote-unquote power forward. He was at the four. He and he started at three. He started at the two. And then at the end of the season, or for a good chunk of the second half of conference play, he was starting at the point guard spot. And we all saw him get more and more comfortable there, as you said, with the ball in his hands making great reads out of ball screen, really controlling our offense and being able to lead the breaks the way he did. So 
when we recruited Jaden Walker, we definitely knew he could play the point guard. Mm-hmm. We wanted him to. You know, we, you and I talked about this last offseason. But he's not an exclusive point guard. He's somebody that can play all over the floor. He's got great versatility on offense and defense. And the way we play offense in terms of trying to push the ball, wanting right. to play in transition, we use ball screens. You know what, Patrick? I think it's ideal that he'll be able to be on the floor with another point guard. And you, if you can play two point guards at the same time, which is what, you know, if Javon had stayed healthy and, you know, obviously Javon, you know, at this point is not with us mm-hmm. and, you know, he's in the transfer portal, but there was never an issue or I never have an issue playing two point guards together or two guys that can push the ball, two right. guys that can use ball screen. So, Jaden's growth at the point guard late in the season is going to do nothing but make him a better player, whether he's at the point or the two or the three next season. And, um, you know, just so proud of the way he, do you think about some of the game, double, double games with assists at one point, Patrick, he played 160 straight minutes, Wow, four games, four games, 40 minutes a game for four straight games. And, you know, and he did that and he was producing, he was scoring, he was shooting it. And, and we also asked him to be an elite defender. Uh, Coach Mike Schwartz with us here. I want to ask you just really quick again, guys, right now coming back, Quentin DeBunje, a lot of potential there. Ben Biala's game, I think, has a lot of potential. So building those guys towards next year, what do you need to see out of them? Yeah, you know, they all both, excuse me, those two had really high moments this year where they showed, as you said, they showed some real, I mean, Ben hit six threes in one game. Albeit for in a loss versus Wichita State. You know, Quentin DeBunge on three different occasions this season. I mean, he scored the ball. He had games where he scored 16 or 17 and he scored the ball. But on three different occasions, he made free throws in with under 10 seconds left in the game to seal wins or to, to hold leads late in the game. And that shows a great strength and mental strength and confidence that, that really good players have to have. So they both had moments where they showed a lot of explosiveness on offense. I think with them, it's the word is consistency. I think consistency on offense, consistency on defense. And both guys, this was really their first year playing Division One basketball. Jaden had done it before. Brandon, albeit, had a whole new role this year. He played a little bit as a freshman. R.J. Felton played as a freshman. Ezra, it took him the first half of the season to get going because he was a true freshman, and he figured it out in the second half of the year. So no different for Ben and, and Quentin. Quentin did not play a lot at Tennessee as a freshman. And so he had his ups and downs consistency this year. And Ben was coming from junior college and coming off of really, you know, a, an injury that kept him out the whole year prior. So same thing, consistency. So what we'll be looking for with those two guys is just consistency this offseason, this summer. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see two players that, we'll see the mental growth, the physical growth from them next year because they'll be more consistent on both ends of the floor. And they both have already gotten after it in the three weeks since our season has ended. All right, well, let's let's talk very quickly about uh, next season. There, uh, there are obvious needs. Uh, the portal seems like a, a uh, I would say, quick fix, but certainly a direct way to maybe uh, to add some experience and add some talent. So ideally, what are you looking for to add to this collection of, of players that you do have coming back? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I love that we've spoken about all our guys. And in today's new new era of transfer portal and NIL and all the, the switching and leaving and coming. And, I mean, there's guys leaving teams that are starters on 
the number one team in the country. Yeah. I mean, there's guys leaving programs that were playing in the final four. So, you know, what we need, Patrick, is and what we're looking for, we got to add some size up front. I mean, that's a definite priority because I also think Brandon and Ezra's skill is going to allow them to play on the perimeter a little bit more. And then we need to add guard depth. Uh, that is something that we will actively be pursuing, guard depth and size up front. Would that guard depth maybe include a lead guard? I don't want to say point because that, that's becoming a bit of a passe term, but, I mean, a lead guard that can, when it comes to we got to run a play, we got to get in our stuff on the road in a conference game in, in uh, late January or February. I, I know this is a guy who maybe has done it before. Absolutely. No, we, we will. We are actively recruiting a point guard. We do. And there's no doubt about it. And it's not just because it, it is so much bigger than, okay, Javon went in the transfer portal. Right, yeah. It yeah. Is, yeah, it's so much bigger than that. I mean, we, we are actively recruiting a point guard for the reasons you said and also just for the depth at that position. I thought Caleb LeCount did a really good job filling in when he did. I mean, mm-hmm. you think Caleb – Caleb helped us win two non-conference games. I think our second game of the year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, versus versus Hampton, second or third game of the year, um, you know, we're struggling in the first half. And, you know, we had Javon. We had everybody. We're down big. And Caleb scores, I think, 16 points that game and just totally changes the outlook of the game. And we were able to find a way to win in that kind of wild stretch we had in those first three home games where we were down double digits in all three of them. And we ended up coming back to win them all. But Caleb – it was as big as any player in one of those three, and I believe it was the Hampton, either Hampton or Presbyterian. But the point is, is you need depth at that guard spot for the reason of what we saw mid-January when Javon went down with the injury. I mean, we didn't, you know, we're at Cincinnati and we lose him for the season. So we we need depth in the backcourt. But yes, we absolutely are out there looking, and and we're involved with some really good point guards. And we need an anchor in the middle. We need somebody that, you know, you're losing Luigi. Again, Brandon and Ezra are going to continue to develop their game away from the basket. So we need someone that really wants to play 10 feet and in and really thrives in that area. And then, again, you know, just overall guard depth. But no no doubt those bookends of a point guard in the center are, are a high priority for us, Patrick. NIL is a huge part of this, Coach. So, uh, you know, I, I think if – you're out there, and uh, I, I mean, again, I think there's only so much you might be able to say, but I mean, the, the NIL factors into some of this, does it not? It, it's changed. Uh, it's changed college basketball more in the last year than changes that accumulated over the 20 years combined in college basketball. And I think if there's 360 something Division One programs and coaches. I think every one of them would say the exact same thing, that the game has changed more in the last year to two years than it has in 20 years previously combined. And NIL and Transfer Portal are probably 1 and 1A. And you pick which one you want to be 1A and 1B. It doesn't matter. Uh, so, but, yes, NIL is really important. It's not something that is, like you said, it's not something that the programs are directly involved with or the coaches are directly involved with. But it is something that is collectives and the collectives of all these schools and the amount of opportunities to earn NIL that current student athletes have, not only basketball, but it, it could be any sport right. across the board. And so, and the collectives are really the main ways that these student athletes at all the universities earn 
you know, very well-deserved opportunities to take advantage and these opportunities to work or do promotions to earn some, you know, to, to earn some money in terms of being at the universities they're at. But what has happened is that it's not about, hey, because you cannot talk like that and coaches don't do it. Hey, you're going to get this or this. Right, right. But what, what, because that is not, that's not the way it is. But what is, is this, what, what do the student athletes at University A, what do they get? What opportunities do your student athletes mm-hmm. have for NIL? It's one of the very first questions we get from kids and their parents and their coaches. And if I could tell you, Patrick, in this recruiting portal cycle that we've been in just for two weeks or whatever it's been, I've received a half a dozen calls from NIL agents representing oh, wow. kids saying, here is what school A, school B, here's what their student athletes get. You know, are your student athletes on par with that? And this is what he's looking to go to a school that has a collective that is X. Because if the collective is that, then he will have the, you know, he feels he'll have the opportunity to earn that kind of opportunity once he arrives on campus. And all that stuff, a lot of it is public. A lot of it is, yeah, you know, hey, these players, they get, you know, they've earned that. Or they talk to their their buddies around at different schools. They talk to other kids that are getting recruited. Or they talk to kids that are at the schools that they're at. And they say, yeah, you know, I earned this much in NIL. None of it is secretive stuff. None of it is stuff that there's a a gag order on what they're allowed to talk about. So they figure it out and NIL agents know, and there are schools working on, on really a lot of different spectrums when it comes to NIL. So all I could say is that, yes, it's really important. It's become a factor in recruiting for all sports. I'm not just saying for basketball, but the the Boneyard Collective has done an awesome job and we're so appreciative. Our student athletes, our players and the opportunities that they've had to earn NIL uh, this year, and you know, I, and we're excited to see it grow, and it's important that it continues to grow because it's a really big piece of college athletics right now. There's a million things I could ask you about. You've been gracious with your time, so I'm just going to end with this because I know, again, you're, you're busy with a lot of things, and, and we'll, as we get up the road, uh, love to have you uh, with us again, or even in studio. However, that'll work out. But so you've you've you know moved around. How's the Southern California kid doing? you know, in in the land of Eastern North Carolina barbecues. Have you settled in nicely with the family and all that? Yes, and love it and so appreciative of this first season being here. We absolutely love Greenville, love the ECU community. And, uh, you know, the the barbecue, uh, we had it yesterday for lunch. <laughs> we, have, we have an official visit this weekend that we're very excited about. Right. And, we will be catering some of the best barbecue in Eastern North Carolina for the official visit. For So, yes, uh, amongst many other things, the food has been fantastic. But you know what, Patrick, this community has. Uh, I just I love this place. Uh, I love seeing Pirate Nation in Minji's. And then when I'm out in the community, being able to talk with, you know, supporters of the university and supporters of the program, uh, it's baseball season. You know how much I love baseball. We got a huge win versus the Pack last night, which was awesome. We'll be at the game this weekend. So uh, this is a special place. This is a special program, and uh, just excited for for what for what's happening here. And it, it's only going to get better and better. And this is going to be a championship basketball program. Coach Mike Schwartz, thank you so much for the time. Always great to talk to you, sir. Man, I love speaking with you, Patrick. Thank you.
Awesome to have Coach Michael Swartz, uh, Pirate Basketball Headman, right here with us on the program today. So coming up for you tomorrow, it's Pirate Baseball, doubleheader. The game has been moved because of weather this weekend, and it will begin at 2 o'clock, 145 airtime, pregame right here on 94.3, the game for the opening game of the series, opening two games between East Carolina and Central Florida. Uh, we will have a bridge show with Philip Pilkington in studio between games tomorrow, and then we'll see how, what happens Friday. Obviously, the weather has impacted uh, plans for the uh, uh, purple and gold pigskin pig out. All of those events have unfortunately been canceled. As of now, the football game still on. Thanks to Coach Swartz for being with us. Thanks to uh, Dom. Thanks to uh, Cookie. And we will uh, see you in the morning on Talk of the Town uh, the next couple of days on ESPN+. And, uh, of course, sometime again soon on the Patrick Johnson Show.